Hey, AGs, are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villarosa, OVS. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic non-stick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. I'm spiritually blonde and religiously fabulous. Yes, I'm late, but at least I'm not ugly. <laughs> okay, that's good. Did you approve? Wait, I totally approve. You guys, it's Andy's Girl. It's episode 296. I was just talking to today's guest, a new guest on the People's People's Couch. Nothing I like more. And this guest said that they had some thoughts and feels about their tagline first time saying one. And I think that was superb. I, I, it's still in workshop. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I'm working on it. I feel like it's not the tagline, but you have to know my rejected tagline was maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's childhood trauma. <laughs> and then you have to do, you know, like a Jennifer, like a kind of Julia Roberts, like, like laugh. You know what I mean? Um, I could see you turning. And yeah, I literally like, incorporated a turn into even hear my turn there. Um, I'm into, and you're like holding a bill from therapy. Yeah, or the, uh, the center snowflake, like, hopefully. I'm into it. I'm extreme. Oh, and you have to be. There was some sort of fucking rumor. I forget about what franchise. It must have been Beverly Hills that was like they had to figure out how to trick the women into posing because at a certain point into the season, you know, if you're turning with X, Y hand that you're not in the center. Uh. So women, I assume like LVP and maybe Kyle would refuse to turn <gasps> and would only hold center, which I think is a fucking baller move I have to say honestly the politic of where the girls are positioned is endlessly fascinating and honestly the real house of the Salt Lake finale seating chart is absolutely not to like go all in all right away but like I was mm -hmm. baffled what did you think 
Um, I have thoughts for you. I do need to introduce you. Oh, I yeah, do. right. Before of course. I, before <laughs> I introduce you, which is always like at minute 59, I'm like wrapping up. Oh. Um, I do have to say, I don't remember when I watched this and I don't remember who told me about it. But on YouTube, I want to say it's 30 minutes long. I could be completely fucking wrong. There is a behind the scenes photo shoot video, I think from season one of New York or one or two. I forget if Kelly Ben Simone is there. It is the craziest. It is full Ramona, full Jill. I want to say full Bethany. Absolutely egos for days. Uh And I watched this. I don't remember how long ago, but guys, just go on YouTube, find it, search for it, or Google, (laughs) or ask Jeeves, whatever the fuck. It is iconic, iconic behind the scenes photos. They are in they're psychotic. Oh my god. Oh, I miss Kelly Ben Simone. God. I mean, don't we all? Maybe Kelly does too. Um, to say, <laughs> um, listen, you guys, it's Andy's girls. It's episode two ninety six. We are coming up on three hundred, and today marks a new beginning with a new guest who I just referenced. You know them as writer, TV filmmaker, host of the new fabulous podcast like a virgin welcome to andy's girls fran Torado. how are you i'm so good thank you for having me i'm delighted to be among andy's girls i i, mean, I identify it's in my tinder bio i'm sure I, <laughs> um i love that i love that i you know consider myself an andy's girl back in the day i met andy at a thing and he did like a little intro and we said like welcome to andy's girls and he's like i'm also i kind of think of myself <laughs> an Andy's girl which I was very into oh funny I yeah we talk about housewives a lot on my other podcast like a virgin and um but only to a certain extent and so I'm so glad you had me so I can expel all the nonsense that I need to finally say about what is maybe my favorite housewife franchise And we need to tell the AGs your journey, which I heard, I listened to your episode on us of Las Culturistas twice, and it was so endlessly fascinating because I think it is a journey that several people have taken inspired by some like extra time Mm -hmm. that we've had in the last couple of years. Can you kind of walk AGs through your introduction to housewives and what led you to become a housewife scholar of course i um had never watched a single episode of any oh. real housewives franchise oh never ever in my life of course i've seen the memes of, of course i'd seen it imbued in the culture i thought maybe if i ever started it it would ruin my life and i was right <laughs> uh and so literally i think week two of the pandemic i mm. switched on season one of real housewives of new york And um, since the pandemic, I have watched 32 seasons of Real Housewives franchises and also Ultimate Girls Girls Trip. So I'm sick in the head is what I'm trying to tell you. But there are many among me. There are lots of people that experience the sickness that is binging way too much Housewives because we have way too much spare time. I literally was talking to someone at a bar yesterday and we both admitted to each other that we had done this thing. We'd be like, oh my God, I just watched like 27 seasons or whatever. I was like, you just watch, I just watch. And like, there should be like a a Real Housewives anonymous group for us because like, everyone had these conversations decades ago. And so like, I, I, I'm past the Twitter convo and I have no one to talk to about it. And so I'm thirsty for people that are just now watching and want to debrief like, you know, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills season two, which I am still mm-hmm. thinking about. 
Um, I mean, there's nothing like your first time, number one. I wish I could have had that experience to be able to watch it in full. I mean, there's something wonderful in binge culture to not have to wait until next week, to not have to wait, God forbid, another year. I mean, I think that is iconic. But my question to you is, did you? how did you feel when the discussion would come up about Housewives, noting, as you said, that you were aware of maybe the players in the game, but maybe not as much about like specific mechanics. How did you kind of handle that? I don't think I actually knew any Housewives oh except God. for Luann. I think Luann was the what? only one in my consciousness somehow. Wait, she she wait, was the one that broke through the culture. Yes, before, before Teresa, before Lisa Vanderpump, before, oh, you know, Nini actually, Nini, Nini did kind of transcend the show in a really big way. I actually probably knew about Nini as well. But I actually, in my mind, I felt that she was so singular, almost like, if not culturally divorced from Real Housewives mm -hmm. of Atlanta by the time that I heard mm -hmm. people chatting about it. But um, yeah, I, 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 did, I didn't really know a lot of what was going on. And if anything, I resented people for talking about it because I was like, I don't know what's going on. So what what is it but I can't get over I don't I am so delighted I am so delighted that the housewife from like a name recognition perspective or whatever yeah was the countess it was the countess I think it's because I had watched like her countess and friends show on somebody else's mm -hmm. Instagram story and then mm -hmm. just got very curious about what the fuck was going on but I think watching the show like in succession is like way better than week to week like I think binging is the root for almost any of the seasons um so I'm glad that I did it this way instead of it taking over my life and in, in on a week to week basis, which is the Salt Lake issue right now. To be honest, glad it's finally over. I mean, over. that has to be that has to be kind of a different experience, but also maybe a welcoming one because mm. you're able to go through this with the community. You can participate in the dialogue or at least understand the language being spoken because mm -hmm. this new stuff is new to all of us too. Exactly. Exactly. How did you choose? Um, watching and and going with New York first like how did that decision uh, under your own counsel how did you make that call I think I actually did it perfectly and I, yeah. I I was I had you know um liaisons I had housewives doulas you know offer me a, a, a prescription <laughs> that I did uh, uh, to partake. My friend Rose Dami, who co-hosts the podcast with me, gave me a lot of feedback. My friend Bowen on Los Colch also gave me a lot of kind of recommendations on where to start and other, you know, other people are, we as a community, we show up for each other and we tell each other what seasons to start with. And so I think I watched the first five or six seasons of New York and um, stopped around the time that maybe Trump was getting elected. And I was like, I don't need this right now. So then I switched oh. to Beverly Hills and I think made it up to this season with that woman who was like a literal witch, but very private about it. What was her name again? Carlton. Carlton. And then I think I skipped that season and then another season. Mm -hmm. And then I think completed Beverly Hills, then completed... No, then I started Atlanta, watched the first three seasons of Atlanta, then completed New York, skipping Heather's, Heather Dubrow's season. Heather Thompson, Heather, five and six. Sorry, yeah, Heather, Heather Dubrow, LMAO, Heather Thompson's seasons. <laughs> 
and skipping the Trump, I think the Trump season with it. Um, and then finish New York, then watch the most recent three seasons of Potomac while also watching all of Salt Lake. And I think that those are kind of the golden franchises for me now. Um, though we'll see what I venture further into. And the seasons that I did skip, I did eventually watch when I got bored sometime last year. <laughs> so yeah, I've, I've watched way too much at this point. No, there's never, there's never nearly, not nearly enough. Um, did you watch any of New Jersey or Orange County? I tried New Jersey. I haven't tried okay. OC yet. New Jersey okay. was, honestly, it felt like a Herculean feat to, to start wow. a, to start a franchise again. Ah, yes. I think I had been pretty exhausted from finishing mm -hmm. Beverly Hills in New York that I was like, I don't know if I can do another one. I think I felt similarly about Atlanta. I definitely will hop mm -hmm. back into Atlanta because I kind of abandoned during what are what people say are the golden seasons. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know if I, I, I feel like I, I should I should probably prioritize other things in my life. No, absolutely then, not. This is not the this is not the show for that. Yeah, you're doing you're doing yeah. exactly what you need to do for you. I know that like the next time I get you know some debilitating food poisoning of some kind jersey will be first on the docket and and i will i will watch and there's like one season that i think most people would be fine you know because it's very much it's like the gold star bravo holic mm -hmm. is watching every and suffering through yeah. some of the bad seasons because how do yeah. we know what to celebrate if we haven't gone through the marqueses and the twins on new jersey and and there are others who are like no for self-care i just i don't really feel like i, I have to, to like as I meredith would say disengage okay and I fully support that disengagement. <laughs> and what's so interesting to me is that, so you watch, you're fully caught up on Beverly Hills. You watched last season. Oh yeah, of course. So I have so many questions for you. Oh my gosh. And want to get your <laughs> I'm so happy, elated. <laughs> I want to get your reactions on Salt Lake, but there is a conversation in the Bravo community comparing a discrepancy that's felt or, or a difference in reaction to the narrative around Erica Jane this most recent season and the narrative around Jen Shaw. But I also just need to add in there that the narrative around Erica was like, did she know of this thing that her husband was doing versus Jen, which is ideally something along the lines of somewhere in the long lines of like, did she do this thing? But regardless, hmm. did you feel like there was a discrepancy or missed opportunity holding Jen accountable or or even how did you how do you kind of react to both of those questions or that idea, noting that you've seen both of those storylines, you know, through to present time? Yeah, the comparison is is crystal clear to me. And even though they're very different situations, I come from it with a little bit of a bias because uh Erica Jane was my number one out of any <gasps> franchise oh God, she dethroned tough. Lisa Vanderpump for me mm -hmm. she dethroned Bethany for me she was like she was my number one favorite oh, housewife and so this oh, most recent season was such a fall from grace in a way that was like as a fan really difficult to watch because mm -hmm. she so clearly has complicity in the situation that she was in mm -hmm. I think that it is a very ugly thing that we do culturally 
wherein a very bad man does something very, very bad. Mm -hmm. And it just so happens that because his wife was there, we have to punish his wife maybe more. You know, I think that like there's a cultural misogyny that's kind of in a lot of the was in a lot of the conversation around Erica Jane, where it's like, yeah, like she clearly made mistakes, but like this is not her boo-boo. You know what I mean? This is not a boo-boo of her manufacturing. So I guess I felt like there was almost too much energy placed on you know, the federal case of it all, even though she was obviously implicated, even though the conversation needed to be had. Um, I guess I was disappointed, but not at all surprised that none of the women, in my opinion, supported her in an effective way. It reminded me a lot of season two of Beverly Hills in a kind of pre two era of like conversations around women being abused where not Camille, um, Taylor says I'm being abused and all, none of these women believed her. Like, and I do, I think in 2022 that they would believe her. Like, I think it would still be like kind of middling kind of support, but because these women are, you know, paid to create drama and because these women don't possess a ton of nuance in, you know, how women should support each other or or like finding out ways to do that. um, I think they, I think that Erica was, I think everyone totally failed Erica. And in terms of the, if we're the comparing and the contrasting, to me, what Jen has done, which I think she did it, um, <laughs> it is so much more egregious and so much on her, on her own hands, more than whatever the fuck Erica went through. And yet Erica received third and fourth degree burns and during her reunion, which she handled expertly. Like those lawyers prepped her to the fuck down house boots. You know what I mean? Like, and, <laughs> and um, Jen was not yes anding Andy, which I think is why Andy didn't put her under the grill as much, or at least we didn't see as much grilling um, because I feel like Jen, you know, possesses the conflict um, resolution skills of a seventh grader and 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 was uncap- incapable of remembering anything that she had been prepped on. Um, so yeah, that's like kind of my my hot take. It's such an interesting perspective. And I also wonder, you know, it feels to me, I've participated in the conversation of like, here's what the differences are, but in doing so have, participated in comparing Mm -hmm, the two mm -hmm. to each other and I thought about it a lot because I've watched part three literally three times I have I woke up at 1 30 in the morning have not gone back to sleep and was like let's watch Salt Lake City and then I think I had some sort of physical psycho something (laughs) reaction to it and couldn't fall back asleep um and then watch it two more times because why not um three's company but um you know there is the idea of Jen isn't facing you know as much pressure or the narrative is structured differently than with Erica and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that with Erica the storyline was genuinely centered around did this person know who is a full-time cast member understanding we have a deep long-standing relationship with Erica as a vessel for wads of fucking cash. She has songs written about it. She shits money Mm -hmm. while she's on her private plane Mm -hmm. asking why her tea is a little fucked up and like doing so in a way that shows that she is a woman of great means and wealth. And also she 
seemed for whatever reason disinterested or annoyed or angry at showing empathy which a lot of people for the actual victims which a lot of people connected to the idea that something is happening here and regardless we feel less empathy or sympathy for this person mm. because we don't know how if they knew we also feel like they were able to monetize crimes by with the fancy jewelry that her she and her husband didn't pay for you know orphans and burn victims did mm -hmm. And there's a lot of that attached to it, which was supported by her cast asking her questions. Yeah. And the difference to me in watching Salt Lake, especially part three, is starting to sort of understand, and please feel free to tell me, go fuck myself, but starting to kind of understand that her cast members were truly not interested in having that conversation. Mm. When it came to responsibility, who is the fake person here? Who is the person that needs to be called out and held liable? It really, aside from that one dinner in Aspen or Vale or wherever the fuck they were, when she wasn't even present, that has never taken place. They never had the kind of meeting that on Potomac the women had with Monique after the, you know, wine altercation. Yeah. On Beverly Hills, there were conversations that Sutton arranged and also conversations that Erica was present with. On Salt Lake City... The person being accused and indicted is is the full time cast mm -hmm. member. It's not a spouse. Yeah, exactly. But they're not asking her questions. They decided at some point that the person who needed to be credibly accused of being a fraud was Lisa Barlow. And exactly. I think I don't mean this in like a critical way. I just mean it sort of explicitly that I think the reason that the the difference in you know hot water is is the way it is is because of the strategic decisions made by the rest of her cast yeah yeah it, it did feel like the girls were in on kind of not talking shit about jen to some extent i just hate jen so much i oh, I, really? I i find her to be one of the greatest monsters of any housewives franchise wow because i feel like her conflict avoidance and deflection is so immature and i and i i think it's like necessary to like the dna of the show because it it provokes so much chaos but when you look at meredith heather and whitney and even jenny like these women are like three or four of like the most stable, like somehow stable housewives out of any franchise. I think they possess critical thinking skills and conflict resolution skills and ability, the ability to communicate what they need to say and call out bullshit a lot more than your average housewife can. Um, I, I, I don't know why that's true, but I just find that most housewives have a, a very kind of immature way of assessing things or are mm. incapable of saying the thing they need to say in the moment because it gets really manic or because they get really deflecting or very racist or very, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I think watching like the season one finale of Salt Lake where these girls are literally, 
conducting a social, a, a transformative justice circle with that mediator trying to be like, listen, Jen, you are causing harm to all of us and here's why. And even with what I found was to be like maybe one of the potentially most effective ways of resolving a conflict on a Housewives franchise to be completely exploded by a woman like Jen who is so incapable of having an adult conversation and so incapable of taking true accountability for what she's done wrong because she doesn't really change her behaviors still. Um, I just like, I'm not a Jen fan. <laughs> um, yeah, but I did really love that she said, you know, every church is a cult, which is tea. <laughs> Um, first off, I just need to tell you, I am entirely obsessed with you. Oh my <laughs> you're gosh. Coming back immediately. This is the space for you. You're, this is the safe you're, space. You're obsessed you with it. my very, I, my very cerebral, unfun takes on <laughs> housewives. I mean, this is, you are, this is literally, you are speaking the thesis of Andy's girls. So welcome home. I have to say number one, but, um, it's interesting to me that you included Jenny in the mix mm. because Jenny seem to I couldn't figure out with Jenny where Jenny started like the the meeting point of who Jenny is as a person and the role she's trying to play to secure a future spot like it felt a little perform the anger and frustration we now understand because of everything happening in real time with her social media that there was you know some really terrible uh, uh, ideology underneath that uh, many people are kind of um, drawing mm. attention to when it came to her uh, visceral uh, disgust with Mary. But there was also the idea that like when she went from one to a thousand in the finale yeah. with Mary, that didn't exactly show uh, an ability to calm oneself no. But also to me, it didn't show someone who was behaving in a manner that I felt was like consistent with reality. No, it was it disingenuous. Felt like she was right. It was very disingenuous. And you can't couple being disingenuous with a little bit sloppy with also like not great. Yeah. So I, I'm curious for why you felt that Jenny was um was in that group. She seems to me a little bit different than Meredith and and Heather. She's she's definitely different. Um, I will disclaim Jenny as Jenny is at the bottom of my SLC ranking. Like she is yeah. just one one notch above Mary, and I I really don't like her um as a person. Mary's at the wow. bottom for me. Wow, wow, um, wow, but wow, wow. I think the reason I say that Jenny is actually like pretty stable is that you could tell that most of the shit she was starting on the franchise was just because she didn't want to get fired. You know, like mm -hmm. I I you could see her calculations and the ways that she was not really, I don't know, like just as you said, it was it was incoherent with the reality that we were in. Um, mm -hmm. I think I I I think that when I see through that, I see someone who is you know has a family, has a stable job, is good at calling out bullshit, which we've seen like kind of demonstrated. Mm -hmm. I don't think she said it as crystal clearly as like you know other people. Um, when you you know compare what she went through to someone like Crystal Kung Minkoff who mm -hmm. just so succinctly said what she needed to say and then was like, this is not my conflict and I'm actually not gonna engage anymore. Um, mm -hmm. I think Jenny was swinging um, toward the wrong kind of like problems and toward the wrong conflicts. And ultimately she doesn't stick the landing to me. I think that she, ha she possesses like a means of 
bringing these girls together and having the conversation that needs to be had, but she is not good at starting drama. And so when she tries, it's just very ineffective, disingenuous, and yeah, she just doesn't stick the landing. And the thing with Jemmy is that for all of my like complaints, critiques about her being disingenuous, the one thing I thought was working in her favor was that surely the whole thing with the sister yeah. wife and whatever else was a lie. Yeah. The only thing working in her favor in my head was like, you guys are trying so fucking hard to like make a storyline happen that you're pulling this like very toxic, gross, oh, low key. So hard to watch. Disturbing. So hard to watch. So cringe. This man is a medical doctor or whatever, <laughs> telling his wife who nearly died multiple times, like one more with, you know, fervor. Yeah, like, literally. It was not good. And then part three happened. <gasps> and Dewey walked on stage. And unlike some of the other spousal communications that we saw take place, seemed to be fairly honest in talking about the sister-wife project management, <laughs> because we're all adults, we uh, all work in business, yeah. of the kid stuff in such a way that took me so, but I was in shock because I thought, oh my God, was this thing that I just absolutely flat out assumed was a lie, performative storyline, was that real? Like he really, he really thought that having a sister wife was an appropriate uh, request slash demand for his quote unquote queen. Like, that wasn't a lie? I, I feel like it had to have been a combo. Like, I feel like there was an existing mm. problem that they decided mm. to exaggerate Apparently. for TV. Um, but I ultimately was just, like, not interested in most of the things Jenny had to say, especially since it was recorded after all the stuff was exposed that about what she had said on Facebook that was so egregiously racist. Um, but I don't know. I, I think that, like, something that I think about when it comes to Jenny is that um, even though I, I have no interest in defending Jenny, as I said, she's the bottom yeah, of uh, bottom of Safe my space. ranking. Safe space. It the big the posts that Bravo disseminated firing Jenny to me uh, lack a coherency on the Bravo on Bravo's ethical matrices at large because to me Mary Cosby is so flagrantly racist mm -hmm. on camera and so flagrantly racist without apologizing for it. In fact, continues to defend it post-mortem in this like reunion. Like that to me is, is so much like it's, I mean, they can't be compared or conflated, but I was like, that's so much more explicit. And we have someone who is refusing to take accountability. So of course she should be fired, but because she was on the outs anyways, she gets to go quietly and they don't have to announce, you know, they don't make a big Instagram post about why we're why Mary isn't coming back anymore. But because they wanted to fire Jenny anyways, like she wasn't going to keep this job with or without these racist Facebook posts. Bravo gets to take credit for smacking the hand of a racist person. You know, I just like didn't make sense to me, especially since like people like Ramona still exist in the Real Housewives franchise. It's just, it's just like there's there's no coherency in the Bravo ethical matrices. You know what I mean? Um, so I feel for Jenny in that regard, in that I feel like she was made a bit of a whipping boy. 
um, mm. and how she was dismissed. But of course she needed to be dismissed, you know? Um, I really wish that we could have gotten that conversation from the show, but at the same time, I actually don't really want to watch like a bunch of white women fumble their way through a conversation about race, which clearly, I mean, there's, there's nothing that Mormons fear more than a discussion about race. And I think that's why Jen and Jenny played that card so frequently to deflect from their wrongdoings, you know? I mean, it's really, really good points. I have to say, though, that with Mary, it felt like regardless of it happening on camera or off camera, which is, I don't know that I want to say it's disingenuous of me to say, but it's not entirely strategic when yeah. ostensibly what we're responding to is the show and then things are happening in real time. It definitely muddies the water because then they've already shot this thing and then there are real questions here. It's the conversation that's taking place and it also understandably so changes the perspective of a lot of people watching when we see how um, Mary and Jenny interact. Yeah. All that being said, I have to think to myself, okay, where does intent matter here because regardless of intent there was severe impact on both counts which I'm not weighing against each other but with the things that Mary said which were all uh um coming from a place of being uninformed absolutely mm -hmm. the impact they absolutely were racist there's not a question Mary I don't think knew better and it doesn't mm -hmm. mean that she doesn't deserve to be held accountable. She w walked herself out of that conversation, which then, by the way, took place in a way that I thought was pretty awkward and uncomfortable. Yeah. Like Heather Gay being like, yeah, the um, only full-time black cast member um, is racist. And I'm just going to say that out loud. And none yeah. of us really know about the Jenny stuff, but this isn't going to yeah. age terribly well. Yeah. And the editors kept it in. I was like, okay, great yeah. idea. Like, great call there. Let's just make this even more fucked. But with Mary, it to me, the intention matters when we have the conversation of like Mary versus Jenny, which mm -hmm. shouldn't be compared to each other. But it's this season, we're encapsulating the season. And both of these are incredibly hot topics for a reason. Mm. So I do think regardless of impact, which absolutely matters, that intention here is key because with Jenny, she knew what she was doing every at every point of 20 plus posts. Mary's racist comments came from Mary thinking she was complimenting someone, mm. not knowing that what she was saying was inappropriate, um, prejudice, whatever you the absolute correct words insert there. Jenny was celebrating the violence against Black Lives Matter protesters over and over and over again and then went on an Instagram live that I watched. Oh, and no. Oh, it was, I asked some questions. Oh, Shockingly, they were not answered. And then said repeatedly that she was being criticized for being a conservative. So she backed out of saying that the, what she said was racist. She disavowed herself. She blamed a, a social media manager, but she also said she was being held accountable for being a conservative, as in the idea that conservatives should be excused for racism, which is essentially her language, not mine. Yeah. And in that way, I am angrier at the Jenny situation than I am Mary, understanding that it took place off camera, because Jenny understood what she was doing when she did it. She believes, mm. to me, racist ideology, celebrated it, 
made fun of it, and did so in dozens of posts. And I think that that matters. It doesn't mean that Mary shouldn't be held accountable, but the only way to hold Jenny accountable was to fire her and do so publicly, which, as you said, Bravo did in a really sloppy way. Yeah. Silent for a week, and it's very um out even out even words are fun yeah. again woke up at 1 30 it's it's like very sloppy and fucked but i do think that like when it came to the jenny stuff i just think it's i just think it's ugh, yeah I hate to say it i just think it's like the intention is so fucked i think so fucked. i think because they're very different cases you know they don't yeah, they don't exactly. even need to be they can be compared but yeah. you know they right. they don't need to be ranked and valued for, for, right. for me like i feel i i think just because i see so much ramona in mary cosby mm. um mm. A, as someone who just thinks that i mean i find unfortunately ramona endlessly entertaining but i she is like her behavior is abhorrent and she mm-hmm. is so consistently racist that to see such to, to see racism and fat phobia with such mm-hmm. consistency in addition to being mean and just like i i don't know i mean the thing the another difference is mary does stick the landing you know what i mean like mm-hmm. when she says horrible things she you know sometimes she does something really funny at the end of the scene you're like oh mary you just gave a look it was so funny and it's like i don't know it's it's definitely a, a kind of personal thing i i just like mary cosby is 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 not it and and i just i feel like this because she has no motivations or life forces in her outside of, you know, capital gain and like being perceived in a certain way. I just, I don't know. I just had lost respect for her very quickly, I guess. And understandably so. And also she is a, she is a deeply, seemingly incredibly deeply troubled person. Troubled. Not taking away from anything that she may have experienced in the trauma, but that does not remove responsibility for your actions as an adult. And the idea that she may have harmed a congregation of people, Mm -hmm. like the audio recordings, everything else, none of which we were able to get into. She's a cult leader. Like what? It's it's tough. And it was something that speaking of the shitty ways things were handled, I, I, I don't know that Bravo or production or whomever you want to say really knew what to do about that. And, and meanwhile, they're filming season three. Oh my God. Why did I just literally forget the number of seasons? So crazy. They are, they filmed a scene of, of Jen and Heather outside Mary's church, which my God, way to be like, Oh, I didn't hear about that guys. I, that, that's the thing is like you, you feel, I feel for these women because you can tell they don't know how to deal with it in the moment and then do know how to Mm -hmm. deal with it retroactively. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, and that I think was particular with discussions of race, but definitely now maybe going to happen with this like cult leader thing. I don't know. Um, I feel like, I mean, I don't need to ever see Mary Cosby again. I'm, I'm excited. I, 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 I think that she adds, you know, a lot to the DNA of the show and its drama, but like, I don't, I, to, at what cost, you know, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think um, in terms of like how the rest of this like reunion played out, mm-hmm. it was very interesting to me to see Jen really get off scot-free, not just on the, the kind of like questions about her case, but also just like 
her as like a really bad person all through season yeah. one and then <laughs> consistently being a bad person through season two. Like it's, I just, I, I'm very curious about the way these women defend each other and like their loyalties. And um, I was watching the show. I watched the finale yesterday with m my friend who's an ex-Mormon. He has the podcast oh, wow. about Mormonism or about like a kind of series. His name is Craig Mangum, um, strongly recommend. But um, it was so interesting to hear his perspectives because he was like, I, when I see someone like Heather still standing someone like Jen still standing by her side. It is such a Mormon ideal to be that loyal at your own expense. And Mormon women specifically are so often kind of made to place everyone else's needs over their own. Like that's how they're cultured. And because when you live and work in Salt Lake City, you are surrounded by that culture, even if they're not Mormon or not Mormon anymore, it's still, an odorless gas and like everything they do. And so I feel this kind of like loyalty from, from Meredith to Mary Cosby, which is like her fatal flaw, in my opinion. Meredith would be top tier for me if she, mm -hmm. if she decides to ditch Mary, which still to me is kind of unclear. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think the allegiances in the show, but I guess they're all are so confusing. Honestly, all Bravo allegiances are always so confusing. You're just like, why are you two buddy buddy now? You know what I mean? Um, but that's, I guess, what the producers decided. And so I don't know. I, I hate watching them stand these demons. Um, <laughs> from the perspective of like, why is Heather doing this stuff when seemingly her relationship with Jen is at best counterproductive. Mm. It's interesting that the ideals, the mechanisms that were potentially ingrained in her through the Mormon culture, regardless of whether or not she's a practicing Mormon, seem to mm. be emblematic and mirrored in her relationship with Jen. And yet she does seem to have a trigger with Lisa Barlow, mm -hmm. a woman who converted to Mormonism, when she uses language as she did in part three with like, you seem too perfect. Yeah. So she's practicing the idea of perfection in her physical presence and soul when exactly. it comes to being, I don't even know what in her relationship with Jen at all costs, even if it doesn't work to her benefit with, with setting boundaries, even when she references Jen being a piece of shit previously, Jen's like, you can't say that. I don't allow it. And she immediately apologizes and gets emotional. With Lisa, on the other hand, someone who she wasn't as close to, she seems so much more easily triggered by and references that perfection ideal. And I assume it's because Lisa is still a practicing Mormon. And hmm. even if she's like mirroring the thing that she escaped from or left broke out of she's still doing it with Jen yeah she does seem to be triggered by that same thing with Lisa it's like the worst kind of funhouse mirror of sorts yeah it's it's not pretty and I really wish that um I don't know that I think a lot of these women are, are so beholden to like a, a Mormon ideal of perfectionism as you said that I mean it's why Lisa ha had like a total complete meltdown like I, I think a lot of these women really have a hard time owning up to their mistakes and I think that's why people like Whitney and Heather soar because they're so 
um, unserious about it. They they do try and own up to their shit and and paint themselves as flawed people. Um, and that's why they're our heroes of the show. But um, I will say, you know, even though I think that Heather's loyalty to Jen is going to be uh, continue to be a fatal flaw, Heather is the only housewife to have ever made me cry because she says something in season one that just hit me at the right time. But she says she was talking about, you know, someone was asking her, but like, why are you loyal to Jen? Like, why do you continue to be friends with Jen after she's been so horrible to you? And she says something to the effect of like, you know, I am your, when friendship means to me that when you, when I'm your friend, I'm your friend when you're a fucking monster. And I'm your friend when you are at your rock bottom. I'm your friend when you are going through the the worst version of yourself. Cause that is what friendship means to me. And I, I do think that that is true to an extent. And I do think that that is a really beautiful ideal to have as a friend. I think that we hold each other's hands through the ugly parts too. But because it's at the expense of Heather's livelihood now, this, and because there is just to me, a true lack of demonstration to show that Jen will ever change her ways. That is when you cut the friend off. You know what I mean? Like I actually, honestly, to be totally frank, like I was going through a crazy friend breakup around the time that I was watching that. And I remember being like, I have been way too loyal to this person. And I'm proud of myself for holding true to that. But like we did break up as friends in the end. So. And you know what? I went through a really intense breakup with like former BFF at the beginning of COVID because I realized like I don't have capacity for this anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm going through too much in my life. Plus the pandemic, I cannot give you what you need because it's coming at a cost to myself Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I don't owe that to you. And like they genuinely thought, and this is not meant as a judgment, they thought that I owed them because they had been supportive of me and it would have been, you know, transactional in the most spiritual loving of ways. Like we supported each other, but it got to a point where I was like, this is actually impacting me in a negative way that I'm like stuck here. I can't dig myself out and carry you with me. I just can't do it. I don't have capacity to do it. That's what Heather needs to do. Heather needs to do that. Meredith needs to do that. Like they just need to ditch these girls. I mean, what's that fucking poem that's always in chicken soup for the soul? That's like, there was one set of footprints and it's because God was carrying me. It's like Heather, the weight is too heavy. Let her go. Walk by, you don't need to drag this person along the beach while they're kicking you. Like you're gonna get sand in your hair. Exactly. You gotta let it go. It's so hard to watch. It's like so hard to watch. I just, I just see trauma. I see Mormon trauma. I see trauma. Trauma, trauma. It's it's so it's so sad. I mean, honestly, just if if there's one thing that I've taken, I think Salt Lake is actually a bit of a standout. But like every single Housewives franchise I've watched in the pandemic, the baseline comes down to the fact that like capitalism at this level like mm-hmm. separates you from real like from reality so far that it has mm-hmm. concrete effects on your your psyche and the way you go about the world that ultimately harms and affects others and like watching this it's the first time where i feel like religion is more of the culprit than capitalism um that there because there's like a theological um background to their culture despite 
whether or not they are Mormon, that it's something they are all kind of like suffering from and is affecting all of their lives and conflicts. I don't know. I, I, I think I, I get really sad for these traumatized women sometimes, but also not so sad because they have, you know, houses filled with like Chanel boots or whatever. Um, <laughs> Listen, I got to tell you, this was a smash premiere episode. You are welcome back anytime. We're going to oh, continue please. talking about Salt Lake. I cannot wait for you to maybe double dabble in New Jersey, possibly. Yes. And, you know, there's some good stuff, some more franchises coming. BH is uh, premiering soon. Um, what the fuck else? Potomac, maybe? I think I just oh my god, somebody else. I'm If Potomac comes back, oh my god, then I finally have something to watch again. I'm out of TV currently, and I, I feel like I should probably try and read a book. <laughs> you know what? No, books are terrible. We don't believe in reading. Books here are on garbage. Girls. <laughs> yeah. Books are literal garbage. Garbage. Even I have several housewives' tomes on display, on display, on display each and every day, every day, every day, which is a Melissa Gorga um, <sighs> moment. I forget what the other franchise was that's premiering. So yeah, I'm what is truly, that? I'm really curious. I've truly lost my mind. I'm going to. Uh, okay, it's Atlanta. Just kidding. Um, fuck what I just said. It's Atlanta happening allegedly May 1st and May 11th, Beverly Hills. So you'll have to come back for both. I'd love to have you back on the podcast. Oh my God, I would love. It's my pleasure. I'm always here to debrief here at Andy's girls anonymous <laughs> that's right aghq yeah, um, can yeah. you tell the ags um where to follow you on social a little bit more about your podcast yes you can find me at fran squishko wherever you want on social media and my podcast is with the one and only rose damu um mm -hmm. we dissect you know of the week news and pop culture and internet garbage uh from a queer and trans perspective so that's usually the lens so if you're like on that gay shit if you're on that trans shit that's what we're doing over there um, wow. And then each episode, we also do a deep dive on a cultural object of yore that we're kind of breaking each other into for the first time usually. So I watched Buffy for the first time. Oh. Rose watched Obsessed starring Beyonce for the first time. We just did an episode about America's <laughs> Next Top Model, which I had never seen before. Oh my God. Um, yeah, so um, we should do a Housewives episode soon, honestly. But I will say um, we are releasing an episode um, I believe this week about um, uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous. And we do <gasps> quite a dive into Denise Richards' second Ooh. season of Beverly Hills. So if you're interested in that conversation, go on over there this week. Oh, my God. And the combo of Drop Dead and BH, my, the, a sweet spot for all of us. Oh, yeah. And okay. one of my favorite, I mean, the lesbian sex scandal of the century, but one of my favorite seasons of Housewives ever. Okay, you are 100% coming back. Mm, yeah, let me know. But, um, 100%. Listen, speaking of Buffy, uh, Andy's Girls Live, a live recording of the 300th episode of AG is going to be Saturday, March 26th at Club Coming here in New York City. I'm going to be joined by Evan Ross Katz, friend of the podcast, who is just putting out, just publishing his first and, and mega comprehensive deep dive into all things Buffy. So if you guys are Buffy stands in addition to Housewives aficionados, um, this is the conversation for you. Tickets on sale now, andysgirls.eventbrite.com. Save by five bucks and um, do us all a favor by buying your tickets in advance. Uh, and the link for that is in the show notes for this episode. Again, Saturday, March 26th. It's going to be the best of all night 
nights um, and you get to ask us questions and attend a live recording. What could be better than that? And also, guys, the Andy's Girls Patreon, the number one way to support the pod, patreon.com slash Girls. New bonus episodes up with OG of the AG, Damian Bellino, unpacking Love is Blind and Housewives of NJ and a satchel of Gold Spectacular, including a live reaction from yours truly to the New Jersey midseason trailer, which just came out. So excited for you to hear my reaction to that and um, listen to some of your thoughts and feels. Listen, we're, we're running low on time, but I do just want to get a quick shout out. If you have a um, women-owned, woman-owned or operated small business that you would like to highlight because it is uh, Women's History Appreciation History Celebration Month and we want to shout out small businesses, is there one that you would like to give a little mazel of the day to? And we'll include info in the show notes. And okay, totally okay if not. You know, if you're Los Angeles-based, there's an amazing floral company called Under New Management. Very gorgeous, very uh, one-of-a-kind flowers, very gay flowers. Um, and yeah, I, I think that they're so good at what they do and they, they're really, um, great to book with relatively affordable and a very distinct perspective on flowers. So under new management. Also phenomenal company name. Yeah. I just have to say. It's good. It's good. Um, and guys, my shout outs are to two, um, small businesses, bakers. They sell at, um, green markets all throughout New York city, need love and 16 mil. You can get their info in the show notes for all three of these businesses. And I just highly recommend for anybody who's looking for a small business for a little special snack. Um, they're great for people on paleo, vegan, gluten-free keto diets, and so much more. Um, highly recommend both of them. Uh, my fridge and freezer are stocked um listen uh you're phenomenal you're coming back thank you so excited we'll we'll be delighted to come back of course can't (laughs) wait um i know that you guys love this episode and um you know comment on the post about it on my social uh instagram at dame galley and let us know your thoughts yes uh, the options are i loved it and it was phenomenal those are your two options and yes you can um say both you actually have a third option which is fran i heard that you're single and i (gasps) would like to ask you out on a date which is also acceptable um oh my god wait could we have a little a match like, game a love connection half yeah <gasps> could we please it is, have a match it's my most fervent wish to be on a dating show of any kind so yes absolutely um, guys people y'all folks make this happen <laughs> make a love connection and do we have like a do you have an elevator pitch of of what what would be a, a housewife super fan if there was one person that you were like a, a spiritual housewife someone that had the energy of ex-housewife who would you be looking for oh god i guess a pre most recent season erica jane honestly Ooh, or, okay. i also have a lot of heather in me i'm not gonna lie because i'm i am usually the conflict resolver i'm usually the kind of rock of the season, but I have big moments of instability and saying the wrong thing. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe a Heather. Um, Y'all please comment. I would love, this would be, this is my, this is my 2022 wish. It would, nothing would make me happier. Um, On that note, on the note of love and affection, um, I am obsessed with you. Affection coming all your way. And guys, I hope you're all doing okay. And we will chat with you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.